0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, October 22nd, 2023, we continue our series titled Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, Mountaintop Experience, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Enjoy. Maybe you've had a mountaintop experience in your own life, maybe something you frequently look back to, Just remind yourself of God's faithfulness or remind yourself of when God met you in deep, meaningful ways. Or maybe you look back at different kinds of mountaintop experiences. Um, For my wife and I, the day we got married, that's a mountaintop experience. Uh, And in those moments where maybe we're not seeing eye to eye or things aren't the best they've ever been, it's a mountaintop we often look back to and remember the day that everything was perfect everything was perfect. We had a fake kingdom, and people came to celebrate us, and uh, we were the king and queen of our own little parade, and it was wonderful. We look back to that mountaintop experience, maybe when things relationally aren't going the best in the moment, or maybe uh, it's a Saturday. This is a hypothetical situation. Maybe it's a Saturday, and you hear a loud crash coming from your toddler's room and you realize it was the top of the the lid from the tank on the toilet has been taken off and shattered on the bedroom floor. Hypothetical, I told you. Uh, and, And maybe in the moment you remember the mountaintop experience of the day you first held that little bundle of joy and how she was perfect. How she was never going to break anything, and how she was always going to be selfless, and how uh, as a three-nager everything was about other people and not about herself, and and you look back to these mountaintops in your life to find encouragement to kind of get through whatever valley you might be in in the moment. Maybe in our faith we have these same kinds of things as well. We have mountaintop experiences of deep and meaningful ways that we've encountered the Lord and He's forever changed us. Growing up. As a Christian kid here in Arizona, all of my Christian camps were actually in the mountains. So I had all sorts of mountaintop experiences with the Lord actually in the mountains. Uh, Fifth grade at a camp, Scottsdale Bible Church camp. We were up at Prescott Pines. It was the first time I walked an aisle to give my life to Jesus was in Fifth grade, wonderful, wonderful thing. Mountaintop experience in my life. All throughout high school, we'd go on retreats up to Williams and different Christian camps, UCYC, all over the place, and we'd encounter the Lord in deep and meaningful ways. These mountaintop experiences that I would look back to on times that I encountered the Lord and how those things have encouraged me to maybe get through some valleys of my life. And uh, doing youth ministry stuff for a long time, a little while here at the church. Uh, Got to bring students up to the mountains so they could have their mountaintop experience. I've got a picture for you. This is from um, a camp called United Christian Youth Camp. Uh, That's our good friend Tim Tuanaki right there at the bottom uh, who's been leading us in worship the last several years. Um, We're going to pass a a little tab around later and there's a checkbox that says, should Tim bring back this haircut, yes or no? (laughs) Please vote yes because we think it's amazing. Uh, And that's also Danny Lutz. That's Pastor Red Lutz's son, Danny. I think Danny was here at first service. His brother Johnny's here at second service. Wonderful family. Uh, and, And we'd bring students up to the mountains so they could have these mountaintop experiences where they could encounter the Lord in deep and meaningful ways as well. The text we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter nine, it's the ultimate mountaintop experience. You have Jesus taking three guys, Peter, James, and John, up to the mountain to encounter the Lord in deep, And meaningful ways. Uh, The text we're going to look at is commonly referred to as the transfiguration. And what we're going to see is the transfiguration led to the transformation in the lives of these three men. That's where we're going to go together this morning and find encouragement from that. Let me pray for us once more and ask for God's help. And then we'll dive in. Father, thank you. Um, Thank you that we're able to gather together this morning to encourage one another God, thank you that people uh, have come into this place this morning with all sorts of situations going on in their life. Uh, God, some people have come into this place and they're at the mountaintop and everything's going great. And they've realized even while things are great, they need you. And they've come into this place this morning to worship you, to need you, to desire you. God, there's also people who have come in this morning. Things are not great. Things are not great, and they don't know where else to turn except to you, so they've come into that space this morning. God, I pray that this morning you would speak life into those situations. God, that you would reveal yourself in those situations, and even while people are walking through the valley in this moment, God, I pray the way they encounter you in these moments would become a mountaintop in their own life. God, that they could think back to a time where they deeply and uniquely experienced you something they can draw encouragement from the rest of their walk. Holy Spirit, we pray for your help this morning. We pray that you'd open our ears, that we would hear clearly our eyes to see, our minds to know, our hearts to love. And when we leave this place this morning, would you open our mouths and give us courage to speak of who Jesus is and what he's done. God, everything we do this morning is for your glory and your glory alone. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we are in Luke chapter 9. There's a few things this text is going to show us before we turn to application. We're going to get some ideas of the identity of Christ, what Jesus came to do. Um, And then at the end, I hope to encourage us with just three three words that we can take from this text this morning. We're going to start in Luke 9, verse 28. If you've got no idea who Luke is, what's going on with this Bible thing we're reading, maybe you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a seat back in front of you. Pick it up. Turn to about page 1030, 1030, and you'll be able to follow along with us in Luke 9 this morning. Luke 9, beginning in verse 28, says this. Now about eight days after these sayings, if you remember last week, Jesus gave his disciples three things. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's been eight days since Jesus taught that lesson to his followers. About eight days after these sayings, He took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. There's the scene. Peter, James, John, and Jesus praying. It's a little prayer retreat. Jesus is going to take these guys specifically so they can encounter God in a deep and meaningful mountaintop experience kind of way. Verse 29. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. Matthew chapter 17 says Jesus' face shone like the sun shone like the sun. He's not just reflecting light. He is radiating light from within. He began to glow and his clothing became dazzling white. The word dazzling means like gleamed with lightning, gleamed with lightning. How many got kids who play baseball or softball by raise of hands? Remember those white baseball pants that were white once upon a time? the ones you've power washed and used every TikTok trick or mom trick in the book to try to get the dirt out and it just doesn't happen the white that Jesus' garments were glowing white is whiter than the whitest baseball pants you've ever seen <laughs> mark chapter 9 says it was actually it was whiter than any garment could be bleached he's just absolutely glowing radiating light now here's the first thing that we're going to learn just about Jesus' identity from this text is this jesus is divine You could say, Jesus is God. Well, where do we arrive at that? If you look through the Old Testament, you often see God show up as a radiating light. The glory of God shows all around. You could look at Psalm 76, where the the psalmist says, you are radiant light. You could look at Daniel chapter seven. We were there briefly. Last week, we saw God, the ancient of days, his garments were glowing like the sun. It's a claim to divinity. It's the same thing we see here from Jesus, a piece of his identity. Jesus is God. It goes on, verse 30, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. Let's stop for one sec here. Why Moses? Why Elijah? These are guys from the Old Testament, Old Testament prophets, Old Testament teacher. When you think Moses, we should think of law. All the things God said, do this, don't do this. And if you did the things God said not to do, then we should start thinking of this whole sacrificial system. So Moses is there representing the law side of everyone in the Old Testament. You also have Elijah there. When we think Elijah, we should think prophet, we should think prophecy, one who came to speak to God's people on behalf of God, one who came to prophesy about a coming Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, which we see fulfilled in Jesus. We have Moses, law, and we have Elijah, prophet. So the second thing we see in this text about Jesus is that Jesus comes to fulfill both law and prophet. Jesus actually speaks about this as he's teaching his disciples. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah. No, I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. How does Jesus fulfill the law? He does all the things God says to do. He does none of the things God says not to do. And the whole sacrificial system thing, the entire thing gets summed up and fulfilled in the sacrifice of Christ because he was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. The perfect, spotless, sacrificial Lamb. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus also fulfilled the prophets. All of the Old Testament prophets prophesying about the one who was to come, Jesus Christ, the chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah, all of that pointed to Christ. Those are fulfilled in him. You could fast forward from Matthew 5 to Matthew chapter 22, and Jesus says, all of the law and the prophets, if you want to follow the Old Testament perfectly, if you want to follow all of the law and all of the prophets, I'll boil it down to two things. Love God and love people. Law and prophet, both completely fulfilled in Jesus. Pretty cool. So you have Jesus standing on a mountain with Moses and Elijah, who also appeared in glory, and they spoke of His departure, it's pretty neat because if you remember Moses, Moses had a pretty cool departure. This Greek word for departure actually means exodus. It's the same word, exodus. Moses is talking about his exodus. Like, yeah, I remember God showed up in Egypt and let my people go. And I had that whole thing and the wilderness and tabernacle and God's glory. Like, that was was my exodus. I got to be a part of that. And Elijah's sharing, well, my story was kind of cool, too. There was like a chariot of fire. I actually never died. A chariot of fire rode up to heaven. Like, that was a pretty cool exodus. So these two guys with really neat Old Testament, what do we call them, exodai? I don't know what the plural is for exodus. For their own exodus, they're talking to Jesus about, let's talk about yours. Let's talk about yours, which says he's about to accomplish at Jerusalem, speaking specifically of his death, his crucifixion, and ultimately his resurrection and then ascension back into heaven to be with the Father. They spoke about what he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Verse 32, now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. You ever taken a nice nap? Maybe it's a Sunday afternoon. And again, hypothetical. You get hit in the head with a football on the couch. And when you first wake up, you kind of have this like sleepy stupor of, I don't know what's happening. And you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to piece things together of, Babe, when did your parents get here? Why are they here? And what's going on over here? And like, you're just trying to connect the dots of what's going on in that situation. That's what happens here with Peter, James, and John. They're taking a nap in this prayer gathering, this prayer retreat that Jesus brought them to. They decide to fall asleep instead. And they wake up in their sleepy stupor. They see a glowing Jesus. And also appearing in glory are Moses and Elijah. What a thing to wake up to. I'm like, I don't know what you would do in that situation. I don't know what I would do in that situation. You would try to, try to make sense of everything. And that's really what Peter does. Peter's going to try to make sense. And if you know Peter, he's the apostle with his foot perpetually in his mouth who thinks he knows the right choice. He's the ready fire aim kind of guy. He's just going to act and do what he thinks is right in the moment. And that's also what he does here. Now, when they were heavy asleep, they awoke. They saw his glory. The two men stood with him. Verse 33. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. It's good that we're here. Well, you were supposed to be praying. You fell asleep. That's not good. But welcome to the party. I guess we're glad you're here. It's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Uh, The same word tent, it's the same word used for tabernacle, uh, which is interesting because we got Moses, Exodus, tabernacle. Uh, We'll see the glory of God show up in a cloud in a moment, so we get some super Old Testament Exodus vibes. It's a really cool story going on. Let us make a few tents for us. Let's tabernacle. Let's dwell together. Surely that's why we're here, right, Jesus? We're here to do a little camping trip, boys retreat in the mountains. And it goes on and says, not knowing what he said. In other words, he was just ignorant to why they were up there in the first place. They're not there to go camping. They are there. Jesus has brought them so they can have a deep, meaningful experience with the Lord, an experience that will transform their life forever. Verse 34, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. We have the presence of God coming on the mountain, much like uh, we see all throughout Exodus, all throughout the Old Testament. God's glory, God's presence appearing in a cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. There's a third thing this text really shows us about who Jesus is. That was our question last weekend. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We're gonna continue answering that question this morning. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the chosen one. And Jesus is the Lord and we ought to listen to him. That's who he is. He's the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the chosen one, the anointed, the Messiah. And he's the Lord. God says to listen to him. If we were to go back to Luke chapter three, that's the last time we saw the audible voice of God in Luke. And it was at the baptism of Jesus. Maybe you remember this story. And we hear the voice of God coming out of heaven. And and here's, listen to specifically how God addresses this and who he addresses this to. He says this, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. Who's he speaking to? Jesus. Jesus. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. It was meant for the encouragement of Jesus, the edification of Jesus. You are my son. But here in Luke chapter nine, what does he say? Not you are my son. He says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Who's he speaking to? Not to Jesus. He's speaking to Peter, John, and James. Jesus has brought them up there so they can have this mountaintop experience with God and be forever changed. Verse 36, and when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. They kept silent because Matthew chapter 17 tells us Jesus told them to keep silent. This isn't for everybody. This was for you. Don't tell anyone about this until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Really, really neat mountaintop experience, the transfiguration of Christ leading to the transformation of these three lives, these three men. And what we see throughout the scriptures is all throughout their writings, through Peter's writings and through John's writings, they're referring back to this moment, this mountaintop experience they had with Jesus. Much like I mentioned, I refer back to the mountaintops of marriage or the mountaintops of parenting, they referred back to the mountaintops of the ways that they encountered the Lord and were forever changed. I want to give us three words, uh, three words that we can take with us from this text this morning. Stop, look, and listen. Stop, look, and listen. You ever heard that phrase before? Stop, look, and listen? I learned it as a kid for how to navigate a parking lot. So you stop, So you know what's going on, you look both ways, and you listen for traffic. A lady in the office this week said, I thought it was stop, drop, and roll. (laughs) That is terrible advice for in a parking lot. You never (laughs) stop, drop, and roll. That's for if you're on fire. If you're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. Uh, But navigating a parking lot, you stop, you look, and you listen. I wanna encourage us as we're navigating life that we would stop, that we'd look, and that we'd listen. Let's talk about stop. Stop what? Stop trusting you. Trust God instead. That we'd stop trusting ourselves and that we'd trust God instead. You know, Peter thought he had the solution here. He thought he knew the plan moving forward. Jesus, master, it's good that we're here because I know the right thing to do in this situation. We're gonna build three tents and turn this prayer gathering into a boy's camping trip. That's what we're supposed to do here, right? Now, the text even says he didn't understand what he was saying. He was ignorant to the purpose of what God was actually doing. Oftentimes, that's true of us, isn't it? We find ourselves in a situation, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or just a kind of meh thing, we oftentimes think that we have the answers. We know the right way forward. It's a good thing that I'm the one in charge of this thing. Here's the way forward. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Here's what that says. Trust God, not you. Do you catch that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't pretend like we know everything. Instead, in all our ways, we acknowledge him. We go to the Lord and say, God, this is a tough one. I don't know what to do here. God, this is a difficult one. I don't know what to do here. Uh, This is like 98% of what's going on in my head when I have pastoral counseling appointments is sitting across from people, talking to God and saying, God, what do you want? God, what do you want? I have an idea of what to say or what this person could do, but you need to step in because I don't want to mess this up. God, what do you want? It's a question we can ask ourselves in every situation. Trouble at home with a kid. God, what do you want? Trouble at home with a marriage. God, what do you want? What's the way forward? What's the solution in this? God, what do you want? In other ways, we acknowledge him, and it says he will make our paths straight. We stop. We stop trusting us. We trust God instead. Second, we look. We look where? I would encourage us, let's look back to the mountaintops. Look back to the mountaintops in those situations where we've deeply encountered and been changed by the Lord and forward to glory. Back to the mountaintops, knowing that God was with us then, which means he's with us now and forward to glory, knowing that life's not always going to be full of sorrow and suffering. A day is going to come, no tears, no sorrow, nothing anymore. Just us in a perfect relationship with God. You could read the gospel of John. John chapter 1 talks about how in Jesus was the light of men. I wonder how much of this experience, this transfiguration experience, weighed into him when he wrote that. That the word who became flesh was also the light of life, the light of men. He goes on and says, we have seen his glory. Not just the things he did in ministry, but we've seen his actual glory. First Peter writes uh, a couple of times. I'll turn to one of them now. Second Peter chapter one. Um, It's important for us to remember the mountain. It seems like Peter constantly did this. We see it in Second Peter. We see it in First Peter as well. Jesus, re- Peter, referencing his experience on the mountain with Jesus, uh, and also with James and John. First or Second Peter, chapter one, verse sixteen, says this: "For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power of the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were eye. We saw it. We experienced things that no one else." Experienced For when he received the honor and the glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. All throughout Peter's ministry, looking back and thinking about the time that he encountered Jesus and was deeply changed forever. Friends, do you have a moment like that in your own life? a time where God showed up when only he could show up and change things forever. Uh, I've told this story a lot of times in front of you, but it's, it's my mountaintop experience. It's one of the um, deeply most meaningful experiences that I've had with the Lord that's gotten me through a lot. Uh, many of you seen my daughter Audrey. She's seven years old now. When she was about 18 months old, she ended up in the ICU for two weeks and we almost lost her. Um, She had taken my wife's coffee over breakfast, fresh cup of coffee to go, and she tried to take a sip of it. And as soon as it hit her lip, she popped the top off and spilled it all down her chest and down her tummy, resulting in like second and second and a half, almost third degree burns, um, just all over her torso, on her neck, on her cheek, on her lips. Um, That in itself, for a ER doc in the ICU dealing specifically with burns, not that big of a deal, right? Something they can take care of and. Um, wouldn't have been that catastrophic. But while she was in the hospital, she caught two totally unrelated viruses on top of her burns that totally overhauled her system, um, sent her body into shock, and everything began shutting down. Um, they wanted to do a pick line, for nutrition. They couldn't because of the burns. Blood too thin, she'll bleed out. There's all sorts of things. We could do this, but if we do this, it's going to affect this other thing too negatively so we can't. Every treatment option was just gone. It is what it is. So what do we do? She needs to eat. She needs to eat. She hadn't eaten for two weeks. She was still nursing at the time, but she hadn't eaten anything solid. We tried baby food. We tried the little puffs that kids normally eat like candy. We tried everything you possibly could, and nothing worked Uh, until finally we got this bright idea to mash up some bananas, uh, which she previously wouldn't eat, and we laid hands on mashed bananas, Um, laid hands on a lot of people before, and, and prayed that God would do a miracle over people This was a first to lay hands on mashed bananas. Uh, And we got done praying. And she just started to eat. And not just eat like like devour mashed bananas uh, where their concern was no longer the sickness. Two days later, they said her potassium levels are through the roof, which was a wonderful thing of news to hear. Um, but in the moment, man, to just see God show up like that in the valley uh, and create this mountaintop experience in my own life, something that we can look back to all the time and just see, man, God is faithful. He's faithful on the mountain. It means he's faithful in the valley. And you know what? Even if the outcome wasn't what we wanted, God is still faithful. God is still good. He still has a plan. We still trust him with everything, not ourselves. We acknowledge him in all our ways and he will make our path straight. And while the outcome may not be what we wanted, he still calls us to be faithful, to trust because his plan is always better. As we navigate life, we stop, stop trusting us. We trust God instead. We look, we look back to the mountain. Here's the second thing. We look look back to the mountain while realizing this life will be full of suffering. It's just part of it. 1 Peter Peter 1, chapter 4. This is Peter who was standing on the mountain with Jesus. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, I don't know why I'm still shocked when something bad happens in my life. Right? It's like I'm shooketh. I don't know what to do. Why is this happening to me? But... Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. It's an expectation. We're going to suffer. The path to glory is paved with suffering. That was Jesus' path. Jesus' path was glory. But what did Jesus have to do? The Son of Man, according to Daniel chapter 7, who has a kingdom, a reign, a rule, authority that will never end. The Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ suffered his way to glory. He was rejected, He was beaten, he was crucified, he ultimately rose from the dead, ascended to heaven where he sits in glory with the Father now. Jesus' path to glory consisted of suffering. It's no different for us. We should not be surprised when the trial comes upon us. We should count it as a blessing. He goes on and says, therefore rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Friends, our path to glory is paved with suffering. It's inevitable. So where do we look? We look back to the mountaintop, to the times that we deeply encountered God, to remember that the God of the mountain is also the God of the valley, that as we find ourselves suffering, according to Psalm 23, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. The God who took you to the mountain to pour into you so you could experience his presence, his love, his joy, his peace, his grace, his mercy, his kindness. The one who took you there is also leading you through the valley so you can experience him in new, deep, and meaningful ways. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. We look back to the mountain and we look forward to glory. Revelation chapter 21, forward to glory, gives us a picture of what heaven is gonna be like, what it's gonna be like for us to live with him Forever, Revelation 21, verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is John, by the way. John, the author of the gospel of John. John, the guy who was on this mountaintop with Jesus, writes Revelation 21 in a vision of what glory is going to look like. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, God has always been with his people in different ways. If you go to the Old Testament, you see God being with his people, the Spirit of God, think Exodus Tabernacle, a cloud of glory, God's presence, descending to be with his people and then leaving again. You could look at King Saul, the Spirit of God, the presence of God resting on King Saul and then being taken away and being withdrawn back to heaven away from him. The Spirit of God was temporary. He would come and he would go. Friends, for those of us who placed our faith and our hope and trust in Christ, Ephesians 1 says, When we heard the gospel of our salvation and believed in it, you and I were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means God's dwelling place right now is in us. We dwell with him now. God's presence is right here, right now in our life. But a day is coming, according to Revelation 21, where we will dwell with him perfectly. We will be his people and he will be with us as our God. Verse four goes on and he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more for neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Friends, suffering is a guarantee. It's a guarantee. We look back to the mountain where God was with us to realize in the valley, God is with us and moving forward, guess what? God is with us perfectly. No pain, no sorrow. All of them have passed away. Only us and the glory of our God. That's what we look forward to when we navigate life. So what do we do? We stop. We stop trusting us. We trust God instead. We stop. We look. We look back to back to the mountaintop where we've experienced God and forward to glory, knowing that a day is coming where we'll dwell with Him perfect. We stop, we look. Thirdly, we listen. It's the only command from this passage in Luke 9. We listen to Jesus. We listen to Jesus the whole time, all the while. As we stop, we listen to Jesus. As we look back, we listen to Jesus. I don't know about you, but my voice or my my life is full of voices. Constant chatter, constant static, constant input. Okay, I wake up in the morning and what's the temptation? Open up whatever app and just doom scroll until my kids wake up. And then before I know it, I'm unhappy. I'm overwhelmed by what's going on in the world, and now we're going to be late. It's just constant input. Constant input. I get in the car. What do I do? I turn on my radio. Input. Listen, 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 listen. Get into work. What do we do? We sit and meet with people, and we listen. It's a great thing. We listen, and we listen, and we listen, and we listen. We have meetings, and we talk, and we listen, and listen, and listen. Listen. And then you get a break and all you want to do is unwind and check out for a while. So what do we do? We find out who was on Rogan that week and we listen and listen and listen and listen. And it's constant intake. How much time are we actually spending listening to Jesus? How much time do we actually listen to Jesus? How prioritized is that in our life? How do we listen to Jesus? Well, it's the word of God. The word of God. We read, we pray, we apply it to our life, we listen. How do we listen? We meet with God's people. Um, the spirit of God is living inside of them. And oftentimes what you'll see is that uh, when people encourage you and love on you, it's like God's voice working through them to encourage you, to love you exactly where you need it. We connect in the community. How do we listen to Jesus? This is one way. We just open his word together and study it and find out what does he want from us. How do we listen to? We pray. This weekend and last weekend, we've seen in Luke chapter nine, both passages start with Jesus going to a mountaintop, a desolate place to pray, to talk and commune with God the Father, to listen to his Father. Friends of Jesus, the Son of God, created everything with the kingdom and a rule that will never end oftentimes withdrew to listen to his father how true is that of us that we should oftentimes withdraw and just listen to him just listen man that would be my encouragement to you this week that you wouldn't doom scroll and waste your life like I'm tempted to do but you'd actually sit down when you have opportunity just talk to God God what do you have for me today that you'd sit down with the word of God, the Bible, that you'd study it, that you'd apply it to your life and see the change, the transformation that can come from living the life that God's called us to live. We stop, we look, we listen. As we navigate life, we stop, we look, we listen. We stop trusting us, we start trusting God instead. We look, we look back to the mountain to remember God's experience, God's presence in our life, and we look forward to glory, that there is more still to come. And as we live this life and navigate everything, friends, we must listen to Jesus, amen? let's pray, and then we'll close in worship. Now, before I pray, let's do this. Keep your heads, heads bowed. Sorry, I tricked you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Let's just stop. Let's just stop. And maybe you came in this morning and you're on the mountaintop. Things are great. Man, could we acknowledge right now that we still need to stop trusting us and trust God instead, that we need to not lean on our own understanding, that we should acknowledge him right now and even ask the question, God, what are you doing? What do you want from me? What's it look like for me to be faithful here? And maybe the opposite is true of you. Maybe you came in this morning and it's just, it's a valley of a season. And would you continue trusting the Lord through it, not yourself? Lay down our burdens, our fears, our worries. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Would you give your anxiety to him this morning? Father, thank you for an opportunity this morning to stop, to just check out from what's going on in life, to look to you, as the one who has all the answers for everything and to listen, God, to the still small voice that echoes in our ears. Father, I pray that you would continue speaking to us this morning, that you'd continue encouraging our hearts through your people. That you would encourage us this week as we open up your word and do our best to seek you and follow you. Father, we're thankful most this morning for your son Jesus who came and lived the life we couldn't live, who died the death that we deserve to die to pay the penalty for our sin. God, your scriptures teach you didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death. And that if we place our faith in him, then we could live abundantly now and eternally later. God, thank you for your son Jesus. It is our heart's desire to follow him. So would you help us in that this week? Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer team to join us out out front. Friends, if you uh, this morning entered into this space and you're walking through a valley, man, they would love to minister to you and pray with you and and just help you through that. Maybe you're here this morning and you are on the mountaintop. Man, these people would love to come celebrate and praise God with you. Whatever's going on in your life, this team of people would just like to pray. Um, So if that's on your heart, I'd encourage you. And even maybe that's not on your heart and you just want to try it. You want to pray with somebody. Maybe you ain't never done that before. Let this be the morning. Come pray with someone down front. They'd love to minister to you in that way. Maybe at some point this morning, God's been moving in your heart and maybe he's renewed a desire to follow Jesus again. Or maybe he's placed a desire within you to follow him for the first time. We would love to minister to you, to get to know you, to help you grow in that faith and help you walk with Jesus. If that's your heart this morning, there's a team of people by the giant glowing follow Jesus sign. You can't miss it. That group of people would love to talk with you. They'd love to pray with you and love on you this morning and point you to Jesus.